Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hello, hello, hello. It's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding, and welcome to another episode of the Grant Writing and Funding Show, the top-ranked grant writing podcast in the world. So happy you are joining me today because if you are, that means you are a change maker. You are looking to make change in your community or your cause area and to really bring in money to mission. So that could be you as a grant writer inside a nonprofit or you could be a freelance grant writer or thinking about getting paid to write grants so you can work with more nonprofits and really be able to make more impact in the world and also more impact in your life because you'll be able to take control of your schedule, of your finances and your income and in the work that you actually want to do. So welcome Changemaker. All right, so this month we are still delving into important executive director tips and so much more for nonprofits. And this is so important for you to listen to, especially if you're thinking about becoming a freelance grant writer, because here is the thing. You will be talking to executive directors of nonprofits. They are the ones who you're going to be closing the deals with for your contracts. And if you're inside a nonprofit as a grant writer, you might be wanting to climb up the ladder to executive directorship. These are all things that are important as we grow a nonprofit. So to help me get there today, I have Sabrina Walker-Hernandez, who is president and CEO of Supporting World Hope on the podcast today. And we had a great conversation because we, had, we talk about a couple of main things. One of the things that I love that she talks about is how to be the CEO and not the executive director. So I know we use the term executive director around here a lot. And we do that because it's kind of a common word in what we call the leaders of a nonprofit. But I like that she's kind of veering towards use the word CEO, which is chief executive officer, because it just kind of puts you on a different mindset. Right, so I love that so much and we're gonna talk about more on that. We're also gonna be discussing how to engage your board in fundraising year round, with donors year round, right? All of the things that need to be done year round. So we talk about, yes, an executive director should really be called the CEO of a nonprofit, but they do report to a board of directors. And one of the contentions that I've seen over the last 20 years that I've been involved with nonprofits is there's this contention a lot of times between the executive director and the board, right? Not on the same page, communication styles, um, different, even just the process of how things are executed and how things are guided and so much more. So Sabrina has so much background and experience with working with nonprofits, and she's able to bring that 25 years of experience in nonprofit management, fundraising, and leadership to the podcast today. So you guys are gonna be blown away. You're gonna love this podcast. Do hang out, because we're gonna kind of look at that triangle of fundraising, marketing, board, right? And that's so important. And I'm also really excited to say Sabrina is going to be one of the speakers at the Nonprofit Consulting Conference happening in 2024. So I'll definitely have the link as well in the show notes today for that. We're really excited. Mandy Pierce and I are really excited to have Sabrina with us this year um, and all the things that she can offer nonprofit consultants as well because she is a nonprofit consultant herself and has an agency. 
So before we get started today, I also just want to let you know that please go over, grab all the show notes, grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 294. Get all the things today because there's going to be a lot. And while you're there, sign up for our free newsletter, which is our hub haven. And every single week I send out the podcast update and I also send out a stress-free grant writing tip for all of you out there. So if it's on something on grants, if it's something with nonprofits, if it's something on how to actually elevate and start a business and grow a freelance grant writing business, it's all in there. And you get access to a learning portal, which is all, all of our free resources. And I made this because, you know, sometimes there's different lead generators that you like sign up for, like, oh, I want this worksheet, I want this checklist. So we've put everything in one place as well. So it's easy for you to kind of sift around and see, and you can go back into that learning portal and you can grab the resources that you need when you need them. So once again, jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 294 for all of today's show notes. And while you're there, go ahead and jump over to our get started button and join our hub haven. At Grant Writing and Funding, we believe that every single grant writer must start a business. And we will show you how to do that. Even if you only take on one client in your life, what that does to you when you have a business open, a consulting business on the side, is it gives you confidence to ask for a raise, to maybe quit your job, to start earning additional income. There are so many things that this can do for you. And having come from the background of working in a nonprofit as a grant writer, this is the best thing that you can do. Absolutely, start a business on the side. Even if you never intend to leave that nonprofit, this is going to help you. And if you do intend to leave that nonprofit, you can get set up and start earning five to six figures annually. And we have the Freelance Grant Writer Academy to show you exactly how to do that. So be sure to jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 294 for all of those resources, including getting on the wait list for our Freelance Grant Writer Academy. Support for this episode is brought to you by our friends at Bloomerang. Bloomerang offers donor management, online fundraising, and volunteer management software that helps small to medium nonprofits like First Tee of Greater Akron. After just one year with Bloomerang, First Tee of Greater Akron doubled their unique donors, improved donor stewardship, and raised more funds. To hear the full story, visit bloomerang.com forward slash grant writing podcast. We'll also have the link to Bloomerang and this story at grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 294. So back to our episode today. As I mentioned, Sabrina Walker Hernandez is the president and CEO of Supporting World Hope. She's a certified consultant, coach, facilitator, and best-selling author that helps nonprofits and small businesses build relationships that increase revenue. She has over 25 years of experience in nonprofit management, fundraising, and leadership. Join Sabrina and I as we talk about fundraising, marketing, and board development today on the Grant writing and funding podcast. Here's Sabrina. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. Yes, yeah, and I'm so I'm so excited. So you guys know Sean Kasowski. If you guys have been listening to the podcast for a while, he has been a repeated guest. Oh yes, and he introduced me to you. So I'm super excited because he's like been raving about you got to connect with Sabrina Holly. She is awesome. So I was like, yes, I do. And then I checked you out. And I was like, hey, let's meet. <laughs> So thank you so much for coming on. And then you found out, oh, she's very honest and direct. That's me. Yes. a part of my personality. Which I love, which I love. Yeah. So we're like, 
Okay, we're going to be talking about boards today. You guys, we're going to be talking about how to find good board members. And another thing that you really focus on, not just board development and board retention, but also fundraising, right? So we're really going to be talking about how to get your board involved in fundraising, where they should be, and all of that jazz. Um, so I'm really excited to have you on and share your knowledge. You've been doing this for over 25 years. You also run your uh, company is Supporting World Hope. And uh, yes, Supporting World Hope. And we'll have all of the links, you guys, in the show notes that you guys can check out, Sabrina, and all the work that you do. Um, but just to share on the show today, like, what before we get into, like, what you're going to be sharing with our audience on technique and skill is what got you interested in all of this? What got you interested in, you know, what you're doing today? Well, interested in nonprofit in general, have been interested in all my life in nonprofit, uh, did interns. I don't, I don't want to say the typical journey, but I did some interns in college, uh, wound up getting a master's in public administration, getting involved in um, boys and girls clubs. And I served in boys and girls clubs for over 20 plus years. And um, I really enjoyed the whole process of the nonprofit world. But what I really enjoyed was working with boards of directors. They get a bad rep. I will advocate for a board of directors. I think to have a successful organization is three things that you have to focus on. I always talk about like a pyramid. Mm -hmm. And I say the base of that pyramid is your board of directors. Like if you have a strong board of directors, then your sides will come and the sides are uh, the marketing as well as the fundraising. So that's my true, true belief um, around, you know, board and nonprofit. So, yeah. So, and that's really good. So looking at board, marketing, fundraising, right. And those different angles. I truly believe in that, that pyramid, because I think if a lot of people say they have a fund raising problem but then when I look deep and I ask certain questions and I go through the process it really is a board problem they have not developed their board or they haven't identified the right board members to get them to the goals that they have and so that's not a fundraising problem that is a board problem and you have a foundational issue and you need to fix that foundational issue so then that you can get to the fundraising and you can get to the marketing, because if you have those three things, then your organization is going to strive. Right. And, and I love that. And I completely agree. Right. Um, and so the board. So let's talk about that to create a strong board. And this is one of the biggest struggles. And that's what you're saying. This is also a foundational issue. But a lot of people don't realize it's foundation. They kind of just realize oh, it's like an operations, like other thing. What are some main struggles that you see with not necessarily getting the board, but, you know, just board related things that you really help solve. So I think one of the things um, that I help solve or that I see um, when it comes to board is a lot of executive directors don't own the power that they possess. So they are the expert in the room mm -hmm. and their board is really looking to gain direction from them believe it or not mm -hmm. and if you if if i get on a board of directors and my encounter is first of all i didn't have to do an application there was no interview process i just showed up to a meeting and everybody just said oh yeah you're on the board now mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not going to take process as serious as i need to take that organization to the next level. Mm -hmm. 
also, let's say if your board started out like that and they're passionate people and you have them there, now you're stuck because you don't want to ruin relationships or seem bossy. Like that's the number one thing. But that is your role. It's not that you're bossy. Your mm -hmm. role, if you want a good board of directors, you have to be very clear about what the expectations are and then give them that path to success. So yeah. if you want your board to be a fundraising board, you have to you have to put in place uh, board giving. You have to start mm -hmm. prepping and educating them on board giving. You have to say, OK, um, each board, if each board member is going to be responsible for raising three thousand dollars then you have to give them the path to that $3,000. We're going to have a gala or whatever event, and each board member is going to be responsible for a table at $1,500. And then you'll re be responsible for selling $500 of raffle tickets. And each board member is going to have to join the, well, not have to, not the word I would use, but it's required. Well, required to have to potato potato <laughs> is uh, required to um, in, uh, give a personal gift of a thousand five hundred. Well, that's the path to the three thousand dollars. And if your path is not three thousand and your path is a thousand dollars, you have to tell them how to travel that path. Right. You can't get frustrated with your board and say, well, they don't do anything when you're not offering them the tools or giving them the clear direction. Why did I, why did I come on this board? Why did you invite me on this board? What mm -hmm. is my purpose for being on this board? Right. And one of the purposes is three things, trusteeship, mm -hmm. oversight. And some people don't like to use that word oversight. Let's say governance, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then ensure necessary resources. And that's where fundraising comes in. Mm -hmm. And so if you invite me on your board, I want to be a successful board member. Mm -hmm. I do not want to guess at how to make this organization successful. Yeah. You bought me on this board because I'm a fundraiser. And as a fundraiser, I'm going to assist with some fundraising. Mm -hmm. Or you bought me on this board because my strength is, let's say I am a community leader who is really involved in marketing. I apologize, in marketing. Mm -hmm. And then I bought you here because you're good at marketing and this is what I need you to accomplish for this organization. Yeah. But don't bring, for lack of a better, don't bring random people together mm -hmm. that you don't have a clear mission for that individual and how that individual is going to impact the whole organization and the board. Right. And oftentimes I find that people are not strategic about who they bring to the board. Yeah. So I, I totally agree with that. And I, you know, it, that's the thing. It's like a lot of times they just kind of like, oh, who can I get on the board? Just people I know that maybe, you know, they like me, but maybe they don't know anything about the mission or maybe they don't have a purpose, like you said. And what's even better what you said about that is to have some kind of onboarding contract, right? Like the board member, because I serve on boards, right? And when I come onto a board, exactly, I want to know, well, what's the expectations of me, right? Like how often are we going to be meeting? You know, when are those meetings going to be? How much of my time? What do you want me to do? What are the fundraising goals? What's the strategic plan? Like 
I want to know that sometimes nonprofits still need to develop those, but then are we going to be doing that? I also want to know, like, you know, what is that involvement? Because being on a board isn't just about like, oh, putting that on your resume. It is about involvement. There is a lot of expectations. And then I also want to say, hey, I also have rights. I have a right to vote on things. I have a right to review documents. I have a right, right. So there's also those Mm -hmm. rights and responsibilities. Um, But if we're not Mm -hmm. clear about that, because I've been asked to be on boards and it's just like, oh, you know, just, okay, you're on the board. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And then I tell you what, those boards, those nonprofits are never successful. It's all over the place. It is a mess. And And you get frustrated as a high performing individual, you get frustrated. And so you leave that board or they get disappointed in you because I thought they were going to come on this board and do X, Y, and Z, and they didn't do anything on this board. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. Without telling me, oh, I thought you were going to write all the grants, Holly. I I don't do that on boards. That's not what I do. That's a part of my business, but I help with other Right. Right. So, yeah, they kind of assume sometimes. So unless you have that, that contract or that onboarding form to really, you know, that's where you're going to get successful boards. I love that you help do that. And, and it's just simple. That's simple, right? I mean, it's It's simple, you know, it's tell me why have a little, have an interview process and it Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be, you know, I, I work with several organizations and not only work with organizations, but work in an organization and serve on several boards. Um, so I've been through um, various styles of interviews. Mm-hmm. So with my organization, uh, for we it was more, let's go to lunch. Here's, you have a potential board members, a board uh, member would nominate someone to say, mm-hmm. I think this person would be a great board member based on what we're looking for. And then we would go to lunch and we would ask them some questions and then we would invite them to a board meeting Mm -hmm. um, so they could see the board dynamics. Mm -hmm. And then we invited them to the board and the museum board that I serve on, they kind of, they do the same uh, process. Um, They have even one more step where they, the executive director takes you on a tour of the museum prior to the board interview. Yeah. And then once they had the board interview, then they vote you in if you fit. So, you know, it's just a one, two step process, but it makes a difference. And so I will say this. um, I've had two very distinct experiences. Mm -hmm. I like you served on a board uh, that didn't necessarily had an interview process. You didn't know why you were there. It took you like two or three minutes to figure out what's going on. They didn't have a calendar so that you, you know, when the meetings were, uh, and it's just frustrating. Yeah. And so I think that's why I think get the board, right. The Mm -hmm. fundraising will come because if you do that, right. And, Mm -hmm. and this is proof in the pudding. If you do that, right. And you get the right people Mm -hmm. on your board, they know their purpose for being there. Mm-hmm. They know um, why this organization is in existence. They will work it to success. And that's what I found out. So absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, and it, it is, it's a simple process. So just putting that into place can, and like I said, even if you don't have it now, but that's one of the goals. And that's one of the things your board members coming on. Hey, we're going to do this strategic plan. We're going to get 
an onboarding contract right. set up. We're going to do all of these things, right? So spell right. it out. So then you have a system and people can be successful and feel right. successful. And the other thing you pointed out that I really wanted to bring out and highlight as well is you talked about the executive director really owning up to their ownership really of a lot of things going on. And that's where I see a lot of issues too, is the owner, their executive director just kind of feels like they're underneath the board, which I don't know, in charts made whatever, but it's not that way. And, and they kind of just say, okay, whatever the board tells me to do. And they're not really stepping into the role. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Cause that really caught my ear. That That is, um, that's one of my pet peeves. <laughs> you are the expert in the room. You run that organization. You are the day-to-day of that organization. Mm-hmm. That is it. That you have to own that. Yeah. And so in owning that, you have to position yourself. You have to position yourself to know the best practices mm-hmm. for the, in the nonprofit world. So when I have this conversation, I have to make sure that I am talking to, there's the founder mindset, right? Yep. And then there's the, the, the one who, uh, CEO who's new that perhaps has stepped into an organization. Mm-hmm. And so I find, those, I find those two not understanding the power that they have. Right. And they say, well, I have to go to the board for that. Yeah. Or I have to make sure... I have to get that approved by the board. Not you don't have to get everything approved by the board. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Don't don't mm-hmm. don't kill me on this one. Let <laughs> me give you a very clear example. Mm-hmm. You have to get your operating budget your budget approved mm-hmm. by the board. Mm-hmm. So let's say your budget says we're going to spend $5,000 in supplies. We're going to spend um $20,000 on professional development. Mm-hmm. You know, all mm-hmm. those things. Now, that's your budget as a CEO to manage that budget. Right. You do not have to go back to the board mm-hmm. and say, well, I'm going to go and spend $500 at Sam's. Mm-hmm. No, you don't need <laughs> yeah. You don't need to do that. No. Nope. And nope. I find <laughs> a lot of people doing that. They take everything back to the board, everything back to the board, everything back to the board. And that's show what you're doing, whether you know it or not, is limiting your limiting your power of influence with the board. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're trained. Look, there is no you're training your board. That's you're training them to think that that's their role. Yeah. You're training them to manage. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Oh, they micromanage me. <laughs> right. To micromanage me. And then you mm-hmm. get frustrated because the board is micromanaging you. Well, mm-hmm. you train them to be that way. So if you know that, okay, board approves, opera, helps develop, you develop a, let's just continue with this budget thing. How do you then do the budget process? Here you go. Let's make, let's make it simple. Finance committee. Oh, I don't have a finance committee. Pick three people on the board to begin, become your finance committee, right? <laughs> Start there. Get, let's meet. We, we got to have, have this budget. If you've never done a budget before, you know, it's time for us to get a budget. Or if you have done a budget before, you say, let's do this process, right? Mm-hmm. So three, a committee may, may have some workshops. You as the executive, that's what you own. Yeah. You come to the board meeting 
with or to the committee meeting with a draft budget based on the two year or one year or three year history of our organization. Here's the draft budget that I'm presenting to you as the finance committee. Let's look at it. Let's pull this apart. Let's ask questions. It's okay. That's what the committee is here for. Yep. Once we delve all that down, then we're going to present the final budget to the board mm-hmm. for approval. Mm-hmm. Once that document is approved, now I, as the CEO, I manage that. Yeah. Now, as a board member, that's where finance again comes in, right? You might say, well, we need some policies in place mm-hmm. because Personally, as a CEO, I don't want to be put in a position where my purchases are questioned. So that's why you come up with procurement policies. And you have the board approve those that says, okay, anything over $5,000, then we have to have board approval, even if it's in the operating budget. Yeah, yeah. Or two signatures or whatever. Right, or two signatures or whatever those controls Mm -hmm. are. Mm -hmm. But this thing of going to the board each time I want to buy $500 or each time I want to spend $1,000 or each time I want to do No, step into your credibility. What you have to do is build your credibility with your board. That's it. And you can't assume that because they've been invited to your board, they know how to be a board member. You've got to orientate them because every organization runs their board differently. And there is no right way, but there's best practices. And so I'm sharing what is the best practice. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much because, yeah, and and I see that. And it's not just over finances to that micromanagement thing. It's, should we do this campaign? Should we do this thing? Should we do that? Should we go to that? And it's like, you know, all of a sudden, and as a board member, that gets very frustrating. I will have to say that, like, I want my executive, the executive director to be the executive director. I don't want them to, because what they end up being then is an executive assistant. Basically, then the board is just saying, barking them around kind of in the president, you know what I mean? And and it's right. not intentional usually. It's just how that, you know, the board hired the executive director. The executive director kind of feels like an employee of the board. And they right. start developing those unhealthy um, patterns. Dynamics. Right? It, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's very frustrating. And then at the same time, um, board members feel like, oh, I, I have an executive assistant for the organization. So I'm going to tell them what to do, but I don't have to fundraise. Exactly. Yeah. And then and the that's where that whole dynamic yes. comes into play. Yeah. And then the executive director yeah, so. feels like they have to fundraise their butts off to keep their job. <laughs> it's right, like, yeah. right. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. it's just, it's just, it's just one of those things. It's one of the frustrating things for me yeah. um, in dealing with it. That's why I said, if you get the board right, you will get the fundraising right. You will right. get the marketing right. And, and, and for CEOs or executive directors, I use CEO too, because that's a power play in my head. I do like um, that. I noticed that I I use it as a CEO because look, you are a CEO of a company at the end of the day and nonprofit is a tax designation. Mm -hmm. That's that's, but you're still a business. Yeah. So you're a CEO of a business. And I think sometimes we CEOs come to the table with this, oh, I'm just, you know, I just run this little nonprofit or, you know, this is, but they're, you know, no, they're the president of the bank 
or no, this person is the vice president of the hospital where you are the CEO of A, B, and C. Come through that. the door with that confidence. Do not come through the door in servitude. Right. You are there in service, but yep. you are not there in servitude. You bring something to the table. Mm-hmm. So own that. Oh, I love that. So oh, I don't know if I got off on the tangent or not. <laughs> I love it though. That is like, if you guys walk away with nothing else from this interview, but that, that is powerful. And that, yeah. remember that you, and I love that play on words, that empowerment of words, I should say, because that from executive director to CEO, like to start calling yourself CEO, change that title. And and that comes with so much power, right? Like that empowerment of that word alone. So, and you are, and a lot of times you're right, like on your board, you have these huge influential people in the community. A lot of time, a lot of, you know, people that own companies and run things and do this. And, and maybe you do feel like, Ooh, I'm in servitude. You are not step into that CEO role. So I love it so much. So, um, one last thing that like talk about this pyramid a little bit more, um, before we close out today. And that's just to talk about like the board connected to the fundraising. So can you talk about that? Cause I hear a lot of this and that the board should fundraise, the board should fundraise, da, 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 da. like how do you, what's your position? Kind well, of- let me just say, uh, I have never, I would never espouse that the board should not fundraise mm-hmm. because that is one of the primary responsibilities of the board is to ensure necessary resources. Mm-hmm. That's, and how do you get, how do you ensure necessary resources is by ensuring you have a great um, CEO yep. and fundraising for the resources that the organization needs and then lending your relationships. So the question becomes, what do people think when they think of fundraising? Most people think of asking for money. Asking for money is only 5% of the fundraising process. So 10% of the fundraising process is identifying, identifying the people or the institutions that would align with the mission of your organization. Mm -hmm. And then 10% is qualifying them. You know, just because they have the ability to give does not mean they have the affinity towards your organization. So qualify Mm -hmm. them. And then 60% of fundraising, and this is where my board was, Mm -hmm. is cultivation, Mm -hmm. building relationships, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. taking people out to breakfast, lunch, dinner, Mm -hmm. calling them on the phone, inviting them to special events, engaging with them, Mm -hmm. having conversations with them. That's 60% of -hmm. fundraising. And then 5% is asking and 15% is saying thank you. So if I can get you to cultivate and say thank you, that's, you know, building relationships and then maintaining relationships, that's 75% of fundraising. Wow, I love that. So I have no problem and people kind of, I have no problem if you don't want to ask for money. Mm-hmm. I don't need you to ask for money. Right. I need you to build those relationships. And then when it's time to for the money to be asked for, I need you to bring me through the door with you. Yeah. And I have no problem saying, will you consider an investment in X, Y, and Z? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they will say yes, because you have built that relationship with them. I, I love so that. I need so my board members to build relationships. 
Yeah. You're like your relationship builders, right? And that's part of it too. And even with grants, like a lot of times people say, oh, well, grants is just asking for money. No, it is a lot of relationship building, even federal grants where it is yes. the objective. It is building relationships. It's building. Have you talked to the congressman? Is there an appropriation? Yep. What yep. bill is it in? Um, is uh, as far as foundation grants, so who serves on that foundation board? Do you have a relationship with the grant, uh, the, the program coordinator at the foundation? It's all of those all things. Yep. All about those things. Yep. And so the other part that I will say to boards, mm -hmm. um, when it comes to fundraising and budget, since we kind of went along that line is if you are, and a CEO, look at your budget. Mm -hmm. And if more than 20% of your revenue is from one source, you have to diversify. So mm -hmm. here's the thing, like there's an organization, they don't, oh, my board doesn't fundraise, but your, your budget is a million dollars. Where's that million dollars coming from? Oh, we got this federal grant. Okay, when that federal grant goes away, What's yeah. going to happen to you? Mm -hmm. So you you always need to be fundraising. No more for a healthy organization. No more than twenty percent of your budget should rely on one source. Yeah. So yes, if you have a million dollar budget and a million dollar come from federal government board CEO, you're not sitting pretty. All your eggs is in one basket, and while you have that cushion then work on diversifying, work on individual giving, work on a special event, work on something. Yeah. So that you, if that one source goes away, I've seen organizations and bless their hearts. I'm sure the CEO, I'm sure they had these conversations along the way that, you know, re relying on that one source for 15 years. Yeah. And then what happened during the pandemic? It went away. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they didn't diversify. They weren't strategic. They weren't visionary. Mm -hmm. They were none of those things. So, it, you know, that, that's the other, the other example. It's all about relationships. Mm -hmm. And you need to have relationships in multi-areas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, government, um, you know, individuals. Yeah. Um, Business, all of those yep. things. Businesses, yeah, all of those things, um, and and to ensure the health of your organization, because ultimately, at the end of the day, we're not is we're talking about the clients that you serve, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you want to be there for the clients that you serve. Um, one last tip, one last tip, mm -hmm. and the last tip that I'm going to say, um, as it relates to board and fundraising, to my CEOs out there. If you're not starting your board meetings off with a mission moment, mm -hmm. I would consider that you do that. And so that's going to inspire your board towards fundraising. So a mission moment is when you take the first five minutes of your board meeting and you have a client come in and that client says, this is how that organization benef benefited me. You know, this is why. Mm -hmm. So I know I was lucky. I did Boys and Girls Club. I had cute kids. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> I would have a cute kid come in every board meeting and say, my name is Sabrina. And this is where I go to school. At, and this is what grade I'm in. And this is why I come here after school. 
Mm-hmm. And then the board would ask them questions. Well, what do you like about coming here? What don't you like about coming here? Well, they say, well, I don't like this building. I had kids for almost, I don't like this building. When it rains, it floods. Mm-hmm. It, you know, mm-hmm. we have to do this. We have to do that. My board, every story, every story built, 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 built. We mind up launching a $12 million capital campaign. Mm-hmm. Nice. You're like, we're going to get that new building. <laughs> <laughs> right. They, they, so that, you know, they were like, these kids mm-hmm. deserve more. You mm-hmm. know, they deserve more. But it wasn't, it was part of it was me as the executor saying we need this, but yeah. it wasn't, it was the clients. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a it it's was so the clients. So mission moments mm-hmm. and and inspire your board. That's what you're there. You're as the CEO, you're there to inspire your board. Share your vision. You have a vision as a, as a CEO. Yeah. What's your vision? Right. And then inspire them towards that vision and mm-hmm. make sure if you have a vision of a capital campaign, a new building, then get the board members who are in construction, engineering, this and that. Be strategic at the end of the day. Be strategic. So. I love that so much. I love the mission moment. That's such a good thing. And that can bring in, you know, and inspire, like you're saying, inspire your board, get them Mm -hmm. on fire to do, you know, to really, okay, we know what our roles and responsibilities are. We know all these things. I know I'm here. And now I I really know I'm here because I keep hearing this over and over again. And so, you know, so that's instead of all the like, oh, we need funding issues, right? focus back on the vision. So that's so good. And I love all of yeah. this you talked about today, that pyramid, you know, really important. And you dropped some, just some great truth bombs on about like how boards should function and that relationship, especially with the CEO. <laughs> Sorry, yes, right. CEO. So um, you do this as a living too. You are a consultant, you help not, you help nonprofits, you do a lot of board training, fundraising development plans, strategic planning. So where can people find you? Well, the easiest way they say always do one call to action. So the easiest way that you can find me is go to my website at www.supportingworldhope.com, which also shows my age because no one goes www anymore, but you can find me there. So go to supportingworldhope.com. You can find all my services, uh, training videos. I do webinars. They're all there for people to access because that conversation around board is hard for them to accept. They yeah. think it's all it's fundraising, mm-hmm. but it trust me, get the board right, the fundraising, will it will come. come. <laughs> I've seen it and I've experienced it. So I, I'm a yep. total fan of that. So yeah, I definitely love it. So you guys, I'll also drop that in the show notes so you guys can be, um, be able to find that easily, find out more about Sabrina. Sabrina, thank you so much again for coming on the Grand Rating and Funding Podcast. This has been so much fun and I just love chatting with you and getting to know you more. So yeah, we'll definitely have to have you thank back. Thank you, Holly. Awesome. We have a wonderful evening. Thank you. Okay. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode today. Once again, for all links of how to get a hold of Sabrina Walker-Hernandez and for all of the things that we discussed today, please visit grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 294. While you're there, please make sure to sign up for our free newsletter and all of our resources for our hub haven at grantwritingandfunding.com. Just go ahead and click on the get started button. And of course, we'd want to give a special hug to our podcast episode sponsor, Bloomerang. So if you want to increase your donor management, online fundraising, and volunteer management software, then you are definitely going to want to check out Bloomerang. And you can find them over on our show notes page, grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 294. If you love this episode, 
please do me a favor and leave a review and rating on your podcast player as that does help other change makers find the podcast. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.